Hello, contemporary romance fans, and welcome to episode two of Haley Wanger's Managing the Matthews. My name's Kayla, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. Previously on Managing the Matthews, Kel experiences the ultimate betrayal. Ryan, her client, who she was in love with, is not only engaged to someone else, but also signed on to a reality TV project right under her nose. Now she's stuck managing a trio of reality TV show clients, and she feels more of a career disconnect than ever. Luckily, her friend and client, Ash, is willing to do whatever it takes to keep Kel as their manager. But how will everyone deal with the constant cameras and drama? Chapter 8. Ash. By the time I'm showered, dressed, and standing in the kitchen, an entire film crew has congregated by the fridge. I'm used to being on camera by now, but not at home, not in my own space. They're still setting up for a test shoot, virtually ignoring Jonah and me as we skirt around them looking for breakfast. Even though no cameras are rolling yet, I feel the need to lean across the table and lower my voice. Where's Kel? I don't think she's coming. When I talked to her the other day, she said she'd see me at the photo shoot. Jonah shovels cereal in his mouth while looking unconcerned. The promo photo shoot isn't until the end of the week. Kel doesn't come to all of our work days, but I thought she'd show up for this. I push my spoon around my yogurt, suddenly annoyed. It only gets worse when Ryan walks into the kitchen wearing just his boxers. He's leading his fiancée by the hand, and she's looking at him like he's some sort of prize. Jonah and I both cover our eyes. Dude, Jonah protests, gagging into his cereal bowl. But Samantha giggles and nods. I know, right? I told him to put on some clothes first. But you know, Rye, he never listens. I watch as her eyes widen at the sight of the half-dozen people wielding camera equipment a few feet away. Ryan doesn't look surprised at all. He squeezes an arm around her waist and goes for a full-on kiss. Samantha's pale cheeks darken, and she laughs again. Either she's a decent, aspiring actress, or she is in way over her head with my brother. I glimpse the sparkly rock on her left hand and inwardly wince. What was he thinking? Samantha moves to the table and pulls up a chair across from Jonah. Always the nice one, he smiles at her. He pushes the box of cereal he's working on toward her. She takes it and drums her fingers on the side. Ryan sidles up to one of the cameramen and starts asking a ton of stupid questions, trying to get on their good side before filming even starts. Then we all fall into an awkward silence. That night that Ryan proposed to Samantha is such a blur. I wish I could remember it better. As far as I know, it was my first time meeting her, and she didn't make a very distinct impression. It was only later on, when I saw Ryan spending hours tucked away in a corner with her, that I thought something might be going on. Nothing significant, though. She's a pale redhead, with a light smattering of matching red freckles. Ryan is tall, slightly taller than my six feet last time we measured up, but Samantha is nearly as tall when they're standing next to each other. At first glance, I'd assume she's a model, 
but with a deeper, quiet voice and a habit of observing more than talking. I'd guess she's not part of this world my brothers and I are in. I don't know if I ever heard how you and Ryan met, I finally say. Samantha's eyes widen, and she lets out a little breath. Oh, well, we met at work. My work, I mean. I'm a shift manager at Brenna's Beans, the coffee shop. She pushes away the cereal box and blinks at me. I'm in grad school, and it pays the bills. I've been to the same coffee shop with Ryan a dozen times over the years. I don't remember ever seeing Samantha. Seeing as she's my future sister-in-law, I don't admit that. Oh, right, I nod. What do you study? Jonah asks. Samantha lights up. Social work. I got my first degree in teaching, but after one year in the classroom, I realized it wasn't for me. She wrinkles her nose. One of my past professors emailed me to suggest I check out this program, and I don't know, something just clicked. I graduate next spring, and then I'll be looking for jobs again. She's passionate about her work, and it shows. I can respect that a whole hell of a lot more than her being in love with Ryan. That's really cool, I admit. I wish I had some leads for you on jobs, but unfortunately, I don't know much about social work. Feels a little embarrassing to admit, since philanthropy probably should be higher on my list. You're always welcome to find out more, she says, a teasing look in her eye. I volunteer with some of the other people in my track at the shelter downtown. We're there every other Sunday. This woman is either fake or confused about what she's gotten herself into in this family. We're decent people, but we're not the type to volunteer multiple times a year. I'd like that, I say. It feels like another reminder that I'm not as grounded as I'd like to believe. I'd ask Kel if she wants to go with me sometime and see what the volunteering is about, but probably not a great idea. She and Samantha might like each other in some alternate universe. Not this one, though. Probably best they don't run in the same circles. Ryan finishes sucking up to the film crew and stands behind Samantha's chair. Getting to know each other? Watch out, Sammy. Ash here has a mean temper. You don't want to make him mad. She casts me an apologetic look. Oh, no, we were just talking about how we met in school. Ryan laughs and slides into the seat next to her. I stand up with my uneaten yogurt. I give Samantha my version of an I'm sorry smile. If she's going to spend a lifetime with my brother, she'll learn it fast. I know and love the douchebag, but it's no secret that he's a hard pill to swallow. I'm going for a run. Upstairs, I put on my running clothes, but a minute later, when I've laced up my shoes, I'm not in the mood. Jonah's voice in the back of my head is the only thing getting me out the door. Gotta be faster than Ryan. Gotta be stronger than Jonah. Does it make me a petty middle sibling to be so motivated by outdoing my brothers? Yep. Doesn't matter, because it works. I slip out the back door and wind around to the sidewalk in front. My feet hit the pavement, and I suck in a breath of warm, humid air. The palm trees lining the sidewalk don't give much cover, if any, from the sun. L.A. doesn't care that fall is supposed to start soon. 
L.A. will be hot as long as it damn well pleases. Sweat trickles down the small of my back, but I ignore it. I'm not the kind of guy who gets any innate sense of joy from exercising. That's Jonah. But I do like the way I'm able to focus better. Running is a good time for thinking, and there's something I've been trying to untangle all morning. When Kel dragged me into the pantry, I thought something completely un-Kel-like was about to happen. Yeah, she looked mad as hell right before that, but I don't know. She's a complicated woman, one I've never looked at in that way. Not really, not lately. Knowing she was in love with my brother should be a turnoff. Hell, her being my manager should be my first clue to stay away. Then there's the fact that she's my friend, has been for a long time. She's seen me through some tough times, and vice versa, I'd like to think. But ever since that stupid pantry conversation, I can't stop myself from thinking about Kel in a different way from before. She even infiltrated my dreams last night. You're not supposed to think about your friend naked. Not supposed to wonder what it would be like to touch her. There's only been one moment in our entire history when things have slipped across that invisible line. The month after we first met, we ran into each other at a party. I'd just broken up with one of my college girlfriends, and when I saw Kel, I almost lost my mind. It was like seeing her through clear eyes for the first time. This cute girl with long, poofy hair and huge brown eyes. She waved at me, smiling so big it looked like her face was going to crack. Cured my heartbreak then and there. Somehow, I convinced her to leave with me and get pizza. I couldn't stop staring at her while we talked about everything. I've never talked about so much of myself. Not even in the years since then. I told her about my dad, who'd died the year before, and how distant mom was since then. Kel told me about getting diagnosed with Crohn's disease and spending her 16th birthday in the hospital. Sounds stupid, but that's what it did for me. The fact she trusted me, and I found myself trusting her with things I wouldn't tell anyone else. Definitely not the girl I'd broken up with that same day. And then... She leaned in close in that flirty way, her hair tossed back and one hand lightly touching my knee. My heart was pounding a mile a minute, I was so nervous. It wasn't like kissing some girl I'd met at a party. It was Kel, and already that meant something more. My hand cupped the back of her head, easing us closer. The brush of her skin was silky soft, and she smelled like soap and flowers. I ducked my head to kiss her just as she cringed, actually cringed. Sorry, I don't think we should. Uh, yeah, sorry. She slid out of the booth and walked outside, leaving me to puzzle over what I'd done wrong. As much as I hate that memory, Kel stopping me probably saved our friendship. Otherwise, I would have kissed her and then avoided her the rest of the year. Sucks, but it's kind of who I was. Anyway, we laughed about it the next time we hung out, and we've been fine ever since. Now I'm losing it, though. I shake my head to clear it and pick up the pace. I run past a little black Honda that looks just like hers and almost trip over my feet. I crane my neck but catch a flash of gray hair in the front seat.
not Kel. I run a hand through my sweaty hair and curse. I can't do this. I turn up the hill in our neighborhood and start running up it. My knees lift higher and my breath comes faster. All I have to do is outrun any thoughts of Kel and I'm golden. Somehow, it's harder than it should be. Chapter 9 Kel Claudette frowns up at me from where she's hunched over a pile of bright green fabric. You look like you could use a girl's day. Her black hair is pulled into a bun on top of her head, curls peeking out on the sides. I sag in her doorway, wishing it wasn't so evident. I cringed at my own reflection this morning, at the bags under my eyes and the fine line creasing between my brows. Between Ryan's surprise engagement and the new show, I feel like I'm being pulled in one million emotional directions. The past week has flown by. I've been knee-deep in contract negotiations and trying my best to expedite any loose ends. Despite Judith assuring me that everything was basically done, it's been near circus levels of chaos. I sigh and sit on the ground next to Claudette's desk, tucking my knees against my chest. I'm okay, I tell her, even though the lie barely convinces even me. There's no time for anything but another workday crammed full to the brim. She gives me an all-knowing look. You're not okay. You're way too busy. And on top of that, you're heartbroken. It's okay to admit it. When I say nothing, she jabs a sewing needle in the air in front of me. What did he say when you confronted him? I twirl a strand of hair around my finger, feeling caught. It's messy. I can't stop working for Ryan without it being weird for everyone else. They all live together. Right now, they're working together. And besides, I only have the three clients. Bumping that down to two cuts my income by more than a third. I could still make do without Ryan, but I don't say it. I think Claudette knows it anyway. So you didn't confront him? I attempted to confront him. It just didn't work so well. I squeeze my eyes closed, trying not to let my mind wander to the painful conversation. And then there's this reality show, which you know is so not my thing. I open my eyes and breathe deeply. Watching reality shows is fine. We all do it. But having my name attached to one via the guys, it kind of feels like a blow to my ego. Claudette gives me a sad smile. I've been telling you for months, as much as you care about the Matthews, you need a break from them. You are too invested in their lives. It's not healthy, Kel. It's an old conversation we've rehashed one too many times. Between Claudette and my parents, it feels like a broken record. It's a healthy balance, I promise, is what I say now and always. Okay. Claudette, to her credit, doesn't argue. When I finish, let's go to dinner. What else do you have going on today? Nothing. The film crew is scouting at the guy's house, but they don't need me there. I don't want to be there either. 
From what Judith explained of the setup, I would just be in the way. The crew needs room to move around the house, tracing the paths that they'll use to follow each of the Matthews as they pretend to go about their days completely normally. Besides, I'm sure I'll hear all about it later from Ash. He's the one I can count on to fill me in on the days I'm not there. While Claudette finishes a dress, I take my laptop from my bag and go over my client's schedules for the week, making sure I'm not forgetting anything. The tab with Samantha's profile is still open, even days later, and I linger over it. I stop myself from pressing the little X. I might need to look her up again, so it's better that I leave the page open for now. Can you believe that Ryan's girlfriend is almost five years younger than him? Claudette turns to gape at me. What? I shrug. I just think it's pushing the boundaries of what's appropriate, don't you? You've got to be kidding me. Before I can react, Claudette reaches over and snatches my laptop away. She gasps. You're stalking her online? Kel, you have to stop obsessing over Ryan. It's never going to happen. She meets my eyes, and I look away. I slip my computer from her hands. It's my job to check up on people who spend time with my clients. I say, ice in my voice. Don't be mad. I'm worried about you, that's all. She reaches for my arm, but I turn and move away from her reach. Claudette means well. I know she does. It's fine. I'm not mad. I feel like the world's crappiest friend as we sit in silence. I'm not lying about being upset with her, because the truth is, the only person I have to blame in this situation is myself. To Ryan, I was nothing more than a convenient fun time. So yes, my best friend is absolutely right. I may not be delusional about Ryan anymore, but I am heartbroken. And in order to keep my job functioning normally, it's important for me to pretend the opposite. I have more pressing matters at hand, like the ache in my stomach that most likely means I'm pushing myself too hard. No amount of morning Tylenol seems to help. I'm sorry, I say, nudging Claudette gently. Let me buy dinner tonight. I want dinner and dessert. Fancy pastries, Kel. And I want you to swear to me that you will stop wasting your time on guys who don't deserve you. Claudette aims a finger at me like a sword. My tongue catches in my throat. I swear. I know the stocking is weird, but it really is for work. She laughs under her breath, shaking her head at me. You're ridiculous. You know that, right? She stands. Forget dinner. Let's get those pastries now. I'm starving. I feel like we earned them already, right? Who says dessert has to wait until after dinner? I follow her to the door and wrap my arms around her. Thank you for always looking out for me. Claudette scoffs. I figure I'm stuck with you anyway, so... I make a fake hurt face, and she tilts her head back and laughs pulling away from me and leading the way out the door. And just like that, our argument is settled. Chapter 10. Ash Anticipation over filming 
has me up early pacing my room. Watching other reality shows hasn't helped much. If anything, it's gotten worse the more I've seen. A lot of what's shown is a mixture of improv and reenactment. I don't have much experience with either. Yesterday, what was supposed to be our first day, turned into a lot of setup and stalling. Not much actual filming happened due to a series of events. First, a whole new set of forms needed to be signed, and then the crew needed a tour of the house. Somehow, staging the grounds took several hours. Two weeks of waiting, and then a full day of hurry up and wait some more. Typical show business. I know I'll be fine once the cameras start and we get into the rhythm. The problem is with the actual episodes. Once they air, if they air, how will I be portrayed? I've seen enough to put together that reality stars are characters more than they are real people. And the drama. Like I said, that's not my thing. It's Ryan's. The reality stars I've watched, they're only half-selves while the cameras are rolling. The whole thing has me analyzing all of it. The way I talk and dress. It's new for me, overthinking people's perceptions of my life. I've never given it much thought. I have to suck it up and get it done, so I try to push the worry out of my head. Ash. First day of filming. Wish me luck. Kel. Luck? Don't get into too many catfights. I frown at the phone. Kel thinks she's being funny. The one thing I won't do with this show is let it tear us apart. My brothers can be insensitive and short-sighted, but they're my brothers and we're not going full Kardashian on this show. Not if I can help it. Not that I think she's serious, but still. Pocketing my phone, I head to the living room where they're setting up. Jonah is there talking about basketball with the lighting crew. Ryan is leaned up against the front door with his hands in his pockets. He acts like every day is a modeling gig. Freaking ridiculous. Jonah goes outside to be interviewed. It's a small segment where they plan on introducing each of us individually in the first episode. Kind of a meet the Matthews thing. From the window, I watch him sit down in a booth. He talks for a while and comes back in. From the sounds of it, he goes right back to talking sports. My turn is next. Outside, I sit down in what they've deemed the confessional booth. Really, it's what looks like a photo booth that you rent out for events. The curtain has been removed and the bench faces the outside to where a single manned camera focuses on me. It's kind of cramped in here. My legs stretch in front of me as I try to position myself comfortably. I clear my throat and nod to the cameraman. He tells me to give a quick rundown on myself, so I jump right in. My name is Ash Matthew. I'm 26 years old. I started acting straight out of college, and I live with my two brothers who are also in the acting business. Easy enough. Ash, tell us, how did you get into acting? Damn, such a simple question. Not sure I have a good answer. I sit up straighter and scratch the back of my head. It happened kind of fast, to be honest with you. Kel, that's my manager, got me an audition here in L.A. for a minor role in an indie film. She basically email-bombed the assistant casting director, who turned out to be one of her dad's past students. I lean back and crack a smile at that, remembering the head rush of those early days with constant updates from Kel. 
and then came the eventual triumphant call that she'd gotten through to a real person and I had a real audition. The only problem was, I pause for greater effect because I'm enjoying this trip down memory lane far too much. It's been a minute since I told this story. I was still in school, and the audition she'd booked was the exact same time as my last final. I shake my head. My public speaking final. The camera guy blinks at me. What did you do? A smarter man would have leveled with the professor. It wasn't like it was a secret that I was desperate for a career in acting. She was a cool professor, and would have most likely let me make it up somehow. Never said I was smart in school. I smirk. I had Kel come with me to the audition. She recorded the whole thing, and then I sent it to my professor, and asked her to consider it as my version of the final. I can look back and see how cocky that was, but at the time it felt ingenious. And, camera guy prompts, did that work? Shrugging, I hold up my hands. I passed the class. She gave me a C. But to be fair, I think she was fine with it as long as it meant getting me out of her classroom. None of the scheduling had been a problem for Kel, who took her finals a week early and aced every single one. She came in at the top of her class and made the dean's list each year. Kel was all of her professor's favorite student. Why do you live with your brothers? That's an obvious question, but one I'm sure viewers will be wondering. Fair enough. Moving back in with your parents, sure. I've seen it done pretty often. But three successful men living together in a giant house is kind of weird. Jonah used to rent an apartment near UCLA. Really nice place, too. But Ryan and I brought him around here enough that he gave in. Rent control, I say with a straight face. When the camera guy doesn't laugh, I give my honest answer. This job can get lonely. I may not always see eye to eye with my brothers, but I know they have my back. I'd say we live together because it's good for us. He nods. The rest of the questions are much simpler. Things like my hobbies and small talk about my past films. The time goes quickly. When we're done, he lowers his camera and gives me a thumbs up. Great job. If you see Ryan, can you send him this way? Interviews aren't my favorite way to spend an hour, but that wasn't so bad. I head inside, but the living room has mostly emptied. Jonah still has one guy cornered and is scrolling through his fantasy basketball league on his phone. I can't find anyone else inside, so I check out back. A crew is loosely set up around the basketball court, where Ryan plays by himself. I walk across the full-sized court and hold my hands out for the ball. Ryan dribbles without passing. He raises his brows in challenge, and that's all it takes. I shake off interview ash and move into position. Stealing the ball from my older brother is as natural as breathing. Or at least, it should be, after so many years of this. Ryan can't even just play a friendly game. Always has to make it a competition. I'd be kidding myself if I said I wanted it any other way, though. I quick step next to him and reach for the ball. Ryan spins and takes a shot. We both groan when it bounces off the rim. Before he can rebound, I elbow past him and snake the ball. Bouncing on my toes, I go for a three-pointer. It swooshes into the net 
and Ryan shakes his head while I pump my fist. Nothing feels better than scoring on him. Ryan takes the ball back and points a cocky finger at me. Watch and learn. I'm right on him, but he fakes left and goes for the shot. The ball sinks in. When I get the ball next, I don't waste my time trash-talking. I dribble steady and low, keeping the ball out of his reach. Ryan crouches low to match me and tries to take it anyway. I move right, but so does he. Out of options, I point the ball at the hoop and go for a Hail Mary. We both freeze as we watch the ball arc and fall just barely too short. Ryan picks it up and has the decency to appreciate how close I was. He clicks his tongue. I thought it was going in for sure. Hands on my knees, I curse my bad luck. Your turn for the interview. Nice. Ryan lets the ball drop. It bounces off the court and rolls into the grass along the side of the house. Good game, bro, he calls behind his back. The cameras still focus on me, standing there alone, but I can almost pretend they're not there. I hustle over to scoop up the basketball and dribble it between my legs. I take a few shots and make almost all of them. Even after losing to Ryan, I'm feeling pretty good. Chapter 11 Kel I've never been camera shy, but I've also never had the desire to be the one in front of a camera. Judith called this morning to relay that I was needed for a scene, urgently. Her tone of voice said all I needed to know about whether her idea of urgent matched up with mine. It doesn't really matter in the end, though, because in order to keep everyone happy and make contracts happen, I have to be flexible. The guys are great at this because it comes naturally to them. Standing under the hot lights with all these strangers staring at me feels like one of those terrible nightmares I had the summer before I started high school. The ones where I was always inexplicably naked or running late and put in front of a test I'd never studied for. Somehow this is the adult version of that. Ash is being dusted down with powder by a team of two makeup ladies, while Jonah is in the corner talking softly with Jesse, both of them laughing. And Ryan hasn't even come downstairs yet. Under normal circumstances, I would march to his room and drag him out here, but I can't bring myself to do it. Samantha is in his room with him, most likely in his bed. If this is going to work, if I'm going to keep working for Ryan, I have to keep some distance, especially when it comes to what goes on in his bedroom. You okay? Ash is done with his makeup and standing by my side, his eyes searching my face. I fold my arms over myself and turn. I'm hot and hungry, but I'm fine. I just want to get this over with. You are cute when you're nervous. Ash's lips spread into a smirk. I'm not nervous, I say, but my voice sounds strained even to my own ears. I'm just... Ash gives a full grin. Great. I'm so glad that I can provide some much-needed entertainment. My nostrils flare as I open my mouth to cut him down, but my mouth sags at the sight of Ryan and Samantha floating down the stairs. Her hair is a graceful mess, 
and her lips are red and puffy. Ryan looks like an Olympic god with the morning sun hitting one half of his face just right and making it shine a golden hue. I turn away, but not quite in time. Babe, you have to meet Kel. Ryan makes a beeline toward me, dragging his fiance by two hands. My stomach roils. I can't do this. Samantha's eyes shift between Ryan and me, and honestly, she looks a bit lost. I almost feel bad for her for being pulled into this. Almost, but not quite. It's so nice to meet you, she says, her voice deeper and more even than I expected. Ryan's told me before that he owes his career to you. That feels like a very un-Ryan thing to say especially coming from the man who carelessly cut me out of a deal for this very TV show. I cock an eyebrow and nod back. Professional. Remember, Kel, be a professional. It's nice to meet you. I'm glad you could make it for shooting today. Ryan insisted I come, she says, lowering her voice conspiratorially but I think he just wanted to show off how fun his job is. I force a smile. I haven't started my career yet, she continues, but once I finish school, I hope to be as excited about it as Ryan is. It's got to be nice doing something that you love so much it doesn't even feel like work. That's true. Ash catches my eye, and waves me over to where he's moved back by the door. I clear my throat. Excuse me. I'll be right back. I wait until I'm following Ash out the back door to audibly exhale. Leaning back against the wall, I let my body sag. Thank you, I breathe. The fresh air outside wafts over me, combating the sweat accumulating at the back of my blouse. Ash shakes his head. You were actually sweating. Are you going to be okay? We have never fully talked about my feelings for his brother. Because of the nature of our friendship slash working relationship, most of the things we talk about are Ash things, like his fling of the moment, his career moves, and even his future goals. Most of my more personal venting happens in front of Claudette, for better or for worse. I hadn't wanted to acknowledge whatever I had going on with Ryan, because for me and Ash, it was out of our comfort zone. Now, however, there isn't really a point in pretending he doesn't know. I'm fine. It's not an ideal situation, I admit. Ash snorts. You being in love with my brother, or him being too dense to appreciate it? I laugh, despite how crappy I feel. Ash has a way of making things seem not so bad. I'm not in love with him. Not anymore. It's kind of hard to love someone who treats me like he has lately. He nods thoughtfully. I support you getting over him. Want me to list all his worst traits? It might speed up the process, but I will warn you that it could take a while. The list is long. No, thank you. I wrinkle my nose and instead sidestep the subject of feelings. Samantha is different than I expected. 
She's cool, actually. I'm starting to wonder what she's doing slumming it with my brother. Ash tilts his head. Are you okay to go back in? Or are you hiding from the cameras now? He's found me out, and I wish he hadn't. And he's right about Samantha. She's not what I expected. She's normal and nice. But I'd still be fine hiding outside with Ash until the entire day is over. I could avoid Samantha and Ryan and avoid looking ridiculous when the cameras come around. More than anything, I don't think I can handle another front page moment forcing me into a form of spotlight I never asked for. But Ash is leaning close, his eyes searching mine thoughtfully. So I lie and say I'm fine and we go inside. There's no point in making Ash worry over me. The second we do get inside, a lady with an enormous camera and a man following her with a hanging mic swarm us. Behind them, another woman waves her arms and mouths silently, we're rolling. My skin prickles as I freeze up with nerves. In the briefing email I received, some of the tips were to act natural and to start in the middle of a conversation. Above all, pretend like everything is normal and there aren't cameras and people staring at you. It's easy enough in theory. Something tells me that my execution might not be so hot. So what did the director say when you pitched me for the new movie? Ash moves to the kitchen and grabs a loaf of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and a knife. He spreads his piece of bread with peanut butter, folds it in half, and scoots the knife and peanut butter across the counter to me. He stuffs the half sandwich in his mouth. Confused, I pick up the butter knife and dip it into the peanut butter jar just for something to do with my hands. Um, I shake my head. My peripheral vision shows the camera crew inching closer, panning in on my face. We've already talked about this. The director for Ash's current rom-com said he thought he would be a great fit for the more serious period piece he has his eye on. And on top of that, Judith has recommended him for an upcoming role with the producer on set today. Ash was so excited, I thought he'd put a hole through his wall with all the victory punches he was doing. He said you'd be a perfect fit. I'll send over the details later. I catch Ash's eye, and he nods. I know you want to move in a different direction with your career, I say, getting into the flow of this fake conversation. It's looking really promising with a few other directors, too. Ash chews his sandwich thoughtfully. Then he lifts an arm and pulls it around me, crushing my piece of bread in the process. Hey, it's all thanks to my amazing manager. You're the best. I toss my head in what I hope is a saucy way. I am, aren't I? Anyway, I've been wanting to talk to you about something. Okay, what's up? The paparazzi photos, I say, lifting my shoulders. This is something I would have loved to address in private, but Judith insisted it would make good TV when she overheard me bringing it up. So here it goes for the world to see. They were totally misconstrued by the press. I'm really happy for Samantha and Ryan. 
And this isn't the first time that paparazzi have managed to get on the property and take photos. I think that we should look into some higher-level security around the house. Ash squeezes my shoulder. You're right. That shouldn't happen. I'll take care of it. We watch each other, and I try to silently thank him for being so good about the whole thing. He called a security company and had them here this morning before filming even started. I see the camera moving away from us out of the corner of my vision. I made it through an entire scene. That wasn't so bad, I whisper, but my throat is dry as I speak. The crew says something about going on a hunt for Jonah and Jesse, probably hoping for juicier content. I don't know what you were so worried about. Ash snatches the partially made sandwich out of my hands and nibbles a corner. We should go out, celebrate the first week of filming. Judith is talking to one of the cameramen when Ash and I wander into the living room. I offer a tight-lipped smile, still less than thrilled to see her. It's going to take me a while to forget about this whole fiasco. She lights up, waving the cameraman away and sweeping over to us. Just the two I was hoping to see this morning, she chirps. I tense and make myself put down my phone, even though notifications come in at a steady stream. Judith smiling at me is suspiciously like the time a squirrel at Lake Balboa Park spent an hour eyeing down my picnic lunch. She wants something. Though I don't know what else she could want from me, since I'm already here at her request. Aaron and I were chatting last night about show trends, Relationships are a very big selling point in this type of market. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. I can't tell if Ash is oblivious or just refusing to take the bait. I, however, see exactly where Judith is going with this line of thinking. I'm guessing that Aaron, the show's producer, is used to getting his way, just like Judith. If you're suggesting we set Ash up with someone solely for the show, that's not going to happen. Manufactured relationships between stars really do exist, no matter how ridiculous it sounds. They usually come about when one higher-profile name is in a PR crisis. By pairing up with a lesser-known actor, both parties benefit, and then, when the contract ends, they go their separate ways with no one the wiser. That's how it's supposed to work, at least. But I've seen some huge disasters come about due to these kinds of relationships. Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston, for one. The only good thing to come out of that pairing was the inspiration for Getaway Car. Judith manages to look appalled at my suggestion. I wasn't insinuating that at all, Kel. I was merely passing along what the producer had to say. Relationships are profitable, and Ash is the only brother currently single. That's simply a fact. And since you're his manager, I thought you might want to be included in the conversation. I know you've been sensitive about that in the past. I let out a short huff and press my lips together. I look to Ash, who frowns at Judith just like I knew he would. I'm not going to pay some random woman to be my girlfriend. He gives a dry laugh.
I'm not that desperate. Of course not. Judith laughs along with him, but forges on anyway. It could be anyone, and they wouldn't have to be your girlfriend. It could just appear that way for the cameras. We'd let the audience think what they want. But it could be an ex-girlfriend, a friend, anyone, even Kel. Both of their heads swivel to me. Judith's glance, nothing short of predatory. She just crossed the line from a nuisance to insufferable. Seriously, where does she get the nerve? Before I can say anything, Ash puts a hand on my back. I'll let my brothers handle the relationships. We're headed out to lunch. When we break away from Judith, Ash drives us to our favorite lunch spot, a Thai restaurant nestled in between a health spa advertising 50% off Botox and a brand new green smoothie store. We found it one day after driving around, getting hangrier by the minute. Ash had turned into the parking lot and dragged me from the car, insisting that the best restaurants don't look like anything special from the outside. With its basic gray stucco and crumbling sign, I was a skeptic. But it turns out that Ash was right. I won't get pad thai from anywhere else now. The drive is quiet, and I take the chance to scroll through my emails on my phone on the way over. I texted Jonah to come meet us, Ash says when we pull up. He got all mad last time we came here without him. Good idea, I say. I shift in the passenger seat and turn to look at him. So are we going to talk about what Judith said? It doesn't matter what the producer wants, because if it's not in the contract, you don't have to do it. Ash looks out at the parking lot, where the empty building next to the restaurant is decorated in spray paint. The street lamp next to us is splattered in colorful flyers advertising for sketchy casting calls and missing pets. He lets out a heavy breath. I told you before, I'm down for whatever it takes. If it's a sticking point for the show to move forward, I'll figure it out, I guess. Figure it out? What does that mean? I narrow my eyes. Do you want me to find you a willing TV girlfriend? Ash eyes me with exasperation. You're ridiculous. Let's just go eat. He doesn't want to talk more about it, so I stay quiet and follow him to the restaurant. But if Judith brings it up again, Ash will have to say something. Maybe what Ash won't say is that he wants more than a fake partner. Maybe watching Jonah and Ryan throw their happiness around so casually is hard for him. I'm not sure what to make of his avoidance. But I do know that Ash could do better than a contractual relationship, if that's what he really wants. Chapter 12. Ash. My day off is dedicated to audition prep. When I started acting, I adapted Ryan's routine, and I'm too superstitious to change it now. It's worked well enough so far. The gist of it is vocal rest, liquid diet, and research while staying in character as much as possible. This time around, vocal rest is out due to filming for the show tomorrow, 
and liquid diet may as well be out too. At least the role doesn't call for anything other than shirt-off scenes. Could be leaner, but I think I'm okay. That leaves my focus on research and character. Judith sent over a feeler for the movie. There are other roles, but I want the lead, and I don't see the point in going after anything else. Not at this point in my career. It's a period movie set during the Great Depression, but really, it's about a big family. The main character spends the whole script trying to work hard enough to save his family and their farm. I might not be a struggling farmer, but I do know something about working with family. Acting is interesting like that. You can take an emotion you felt for something ordinary and transfer it. People think of good actors as good liars, like it's a bad thing. To me, it's more that actors are good at empathizing. Not to get cheesy, but it's all about the universal human experience. More so than standing around while a team mists you down with a spray bottle and you stare dumbly into the distance. Time to get to it. I open my computer and sit back on my bed. Best place to start is by studying my own projects. It sounds stupid, but it works. I try to start all my character research by watching myself act. Sure, sometimes it's hard to get through. Some actors I know can't watch themselves without cringing over their mistakes. Little things will always be there, things I want to change or wish I'd done or said differently. But that's why this works for me. I'll start this time with my latest movie. The movie itself is fine, but the whole aftermath still stings. Awards season was a beast. Mostly, I've tried to push it all out of my mind. But for the sake of preparation, I drag myself back. For the first part of the movie, I get lost in the story. My character starts off funny, kind of awkwardly charming, until he spirals into this silent, scowling caricature. The whole last half of the movie is me, bare-chested, wearing the tightest pants wardrobe could fit me in. I don't have one line worth noting. I remember a group of women coming by and touching my bare stomach at the end of one long day at work. They cornered me, and it didn't feel like I could say anything. Probably was supposed to be a compliment, but all it did was make me feel dirty the rest of the week. I can almost see the misery on my face on screen. Maybe it wasn't just the character arc that ruined things for me. I toggle away from the movie and lean back. Best takeaway here is not to let myself sign on for another disaster like this one. To balance it out, I'm going to throw myself a bone and watch something I know will cheer me up. There's a fine line between critique and inspiration. If I go too far, I'll never be ready for another role. Scrolling through the options, I stop at the last movie Judith's producer worked on, a movie set around the Vietnam War. Watching something I'm not in switches up my mood immediately. This producer is known for being part of award-winning films, and I can see why. The dialogue is gritty and real, the characters feel dimensional, and the shots are all clear and pack a punch. Halfway through, I pause the movie, feeling more optimistic already. I stretch and grab my wallet. It's not necessarily part of the routine, but I always buy juice when I'm prepping. Not green juice or any other health stuff, just sugary juice. My official reason is that it's good for my voice. 
The science probably doesn't add up there, but I don't care much as long as it gets me results. I drive to the gas station a few blocks from our neighborhood, a notorious spot for celebrities because we all seem to live in the same bubble. But it's also close by, so I take my chances. The billboard next to the highway flashes between an image of Ryan's latest spy thriller and an advertisement for the latest diet pill. I snort at the juxtaposition. The store is small, so the juice is easy to find, and they always have my favorite. I grab it and get in line, ready to get in and out. Still a ton of audition stuff to focus on. After I pay, a rush of long blonde hair fills my side vision. I turn to look and curse under my breath. Celeste. The odds of running into my ex should be low. I'm not going to run out of the store, but I'm sure as hell going to pretend I don't see her. She's with a friend who looks eerily similar to her. Same bleached hair, fake nails, eyelashes, and plastic surgery. The cashier hands me my receipt, and I'm almost out when a voice behind me hums in my ear. Oh, Juice, I'm guessing you have an audition coming up. I breathe out a quiet sigh and bite the inside of my cheek. So close to getting out of here. Turning around to give her a half nod, I start to push the door open. What? No small talk, Ash? Celeste laughs, putting her hand on my bicep. It stays there until I take another step back. Hey, Celeste. I sigh again. How are you? She tilts her head to look at me. I'm really good. Gah, I haven't seen you in forever. But I heard about your new show. Congratulations. Her friend looks me up and down with muted interest. Of course, she's heard about the show. When we were together, Celeste made it a point to know all the gossip. Half the time, she didn't care if it was real or not. If she's thinking my show will give her a leg up, she's wrong. Thank you, I say, and leave it at that. Come on, you don't want to tell me all about it? I'll even let you buy me dinner. She bats her outrageously large false lashes. There's nothing to tell right now. She looks at me for another second before tossing her hair over one shoulder. Well, I hope it goes well. Reality TV is such a big risk, and I'd hate to see your career tank, especially after all the drama last awards season, she says in a whisper that the whole gas station can hear. Celeste's friend smirks but says nothing. My heartbeat speeds up, but I don't give her the satisfaction of a comeback. I learned not to engage. Celeste shrugs. It was so good to see you, Ash. Really? Text me the next time you're out at the clubs, okay? I'd love to get drinks or something. No way in hell am I going on anything resembling a date with her. I grip my drink and back out of there. It was exactly like when we dated. Nothing she said was wrong. It's how she says things. I'd walk away from every interaction feeling like shit about myself. Took me way too long to realize I wasn't the problem in the relationship. In the car, I untwist the cap on my juice and chug half the bottle. Cold and sweet, it glides down my throat. I wipe my mouth with the back of my hand and shake my head. That part of my life, who I was when I dated Celeste, that's when I was unhappiest. 
I didn't start out wanting to be some shallow clone of a dozen other men in Hollywood. What I wanted, what I still want, is to act, really act. More determined than ever, I drive home. I grit my teeth and do vocal exercises. I finish off my juice. Then I watch the rest of the movie and try to match my style to the leads. No more wishing my career was different. I'm making it happen, no matter what. I think over filming, how Judith said relationships were hot. That's what I need to be doing. Going after whatever will make me big enough to get the big jobs. If a fake relationship makes the show a big hit, that's more eyes on me. More fans who will bring viewing power to the table. That kind of thing is important to movie people. With this in mind, I send Kel a text and pray she doesn't laugh me out of the state. Chapter 13 Kel Claudette drives, and I sit in the passenger seat and stare at the text Ash sent me late last night. I keep rereading it, wondering if I'm missing the punchline here, because it has to be a joke. Ash Starting to think Judith is right about faking a relationship for the show. I'm in if you are. Claudette and I pull up to the Matthews house and walk inside. I haven't told her about Ash's text because I wouldn't even know where to begin. Ash can't mean that he wants me to pretend to be the woman he's dating. There are so many things wrong with that starting with the fact that I'm his manager and ending with my past with his brother. I guess that would fill the drama quota for a reality show pretty well. My mind spins with all the reasons it's a terrible idea. But a tiny voice in the back of my head won't shut up. The lingering tabloid rumor of me trying to ruin Ryan's engagement thanks to the pap photos would be squashed and hopefully forever put to rest. And in the meantime, the producer would be happy and the show would have its fill of money-making romance with all three guys loved up. Everyone wins in that scenario, right? Even me. I turn my attention back to the present. Knowing I have to text Ash back at some point and make a decision, Claudette shakes her hair, letting her braids bounce in a halo around her head. The front rooms in the house are empty and suspiciously quiet. Where is everyone? She asks me. The first time I brought her over to meet the guys, I was sure it would be a disaster. The Matthews are just a bunch of regular, albeit extremely good-looking, guys to me. But I'm still well aware that they're much more than that to the rest of the world. Seeing someone face-to-face -face who you've only ever seen on a movie or TV screen can be bizarre. I know this because I practically went into anaphylactic shock when I spotted Keanu Reeves across the room last year at a schmoozy fundraiser. It's not like that at all for Claudette and it shouldn't surprise me. But even if I knew she wouldn't care about their fame, it was still something else to see her march in and put them in their places so quickly that first meeting. Ryan stood there looking like the poster boy for sexy action hero. I was just waiting for him to say something bad, 
and he went right for it, eyeing Claudette up and down and taking on a deeper, sultry voice. It's okay if you're nervous to meet me. She'd looked at him with absolute steel in her eyes. I don't see what the fuss is about, honestly, she'd said, before walking out of the room and asking me to show her around the backyard. Ever since then, when Claudette comes over with me, Ryan gets a kick out of poking the bear. Now we move through the house and finally find them hanging out in the kitchen, wearing tuxedos and making sandwiches. Ryan makes a beeline for Claudette, grinning like a little boy caught making trouble. Behind him, Ash and Jonah watch with half-amused, half-concerned hesitancy. Did you bring me anything nice to wear today, Claude? What do I have to do to get one of your special outfits? She doesn't crack so much as a smile. She also doesn't comment on the fact that they're pigging out on lunch meat when they're supposed to be out the door to a fancy banquet dinner. Buy one like everyone else, asshole. We all know you have enough money. Jonah guffaws, choking into his sandwich. Ash looks at me like he's gauging my reaction and getting ready to step in. I shake my head minutely, because I'm confident that Ryan and Claudette can handle each other just fine. Ryan shakes his head unfazed. One of these days, I'm going to do it. You know where to find me until then, Claudette tells him. Turning back to me, she smiles. Kel, let's go find Jesse. I follow, failing desperately at holding in the laughter trying to escape from my throat. I only wish I were half as fearless in the face of Ryan's ego. If I had the ability to shoot him down so easily, I probably never would have given him the power to break my heart in the first place. Claudette must read the emotions on my face, because she loops her arm with mine as we round the corner. You deserve so much better than him, she says. We find Jessie curled up in a corner of her and Jonah's bedroom, sitting in a plush armchair with a book. She looks up to see us and grins. Hey, you two. Claudette, did you come to terrorize Ryan? I have no idea what you're talking about. Claudette's smile hides nothing. We came to see if you wanted to hang out with us while Jonah goes to the banquet. It looked like they were about to leave. Jessie sets down her book, marking the page with a bright red bookmark. Are we going to use the theater room? I made Jonah buy more butter for the popcorn machine so we don't get stuck with the gross stuff like last time. Sounds perfect, I say. We don't get to do this very often, hanging out without the guys and their drama. The theater room is impressive and one of the only other communal spaces in the big house, aside from the kitchen and the main living room. It's stocked with movie posters from both Ash and Ryan's projects and, obviously, houses every single one of their projects. Jonah has a little shrine in one corner with some of his sportscasting awards and a football from the game he helped his team win his senior year at UCLA. The game that happened right before the one that permanently messed up his leg and changed his career goals from NFL to television. All three of us cuddle onto the oversized sectional with bowls of popcorn. Jesse puts on a movie we've all seen before, 
the perfect background to a night of catching up. How is work going? I ask, shoveling a handful of buttery popcorn into my mouth. Jesse shrugs. It's okay. The school is losing funding every year, and of course my department takes the most hits. We're scrambling for supplies, and I give as much as I can out of my own paycheck. But my students deserve better. She wrinkles her nose. Education is everyone's last thought, and it sucks sometimes. Claudette shakes her head. My mom says the same thing. Her school had to have a fundraiser last month just to buy pencils and paper and other basic stuff. It's ridiculous. Jessie has been a special education teacher as long as I've known her, and I've never met anyone as passionate about teaching kids. I hate that the system is so screwed up. I have seen their accounts recently, and I have it on good authority that the guys can afford a few hundred thousand more in donations this year. Want me to make sure some of it goes to your school? She laughs. Oh, they've already written checks. Sadly, it only goes so far. Generous donations are great, but what we really need is actual support from the administration and up. She blows out a breath. Anyway, that's me at work. What about you two? Claudette pulls up pictures on her phone of some of the latest models wearing her designs. We drool over the gorgeous outfits together while the characters in the movie have their first kiss. Kel? Jesse asks. What about you? I mean, I know some of what you've been doing, but anything else exciting? Just the reality show, I say with as much enthusiasm as I can muster. Obviously, it's not just the show. But I'm not ready to share about Ash's proposition or what it could mean for the group dynamic. I'm also not ready to confess how stressed my job has made me lately. Neither of them is fooled. Claudette puts an arm around my shoulders. I feel stupid complaining about work when it only affects me, I admit. Jessie has real problems, and Claudette has real hard-earned success. I have stuck-up L.A. issues because I'm too good for reality television. It's a valid concern, Jessie says. I honestly never pictured the TV show working out, but it's been great. Jonah likes spending more time with his brothers, and I think it makes him feel like he's part of what they're doing, you know? I nod. That makes a lot of sense, actually, since Jonah is usually part of a different, less intense world of filming. And I know that Ryan and Ash have liked the show, too, both for their own reasons. I'm the only one who still has reservations, and that weighs heavy on me because it shouldn't matter to me. A good manager is only as happy as her clients are, but my clients are content, and that used to be enough for me. Lately, I'm not so sure it is. Okay, no more work talk, Claudette says, tossing a popcorn kernel at me. It bounces off my forehead and rolls off the sectional and I laugh, stunned. We watch the movie while talking about the Matthews banquet and taking bets on whether or not they'll do something embarrassing there. Jesse says yes, 100%, and Claudette agrees. 
I swear up and down that they will be model citizens because it's my job to have faith in them. Secretly, I'm pretty sure they'll create some new mess for me to clean up. I'm not sure how much time has passed, but the movie room is dark and empty. I blink my eyes as Ash sits down next to me on the couch. His voice is soft, almost a whisper. You fell asleep, he tells me. Jessie's with Jonah, and Claudette told me to tell you that she had to do a last-minute call with a client in the UK. She took over the living room. I yawn, rolling my shoulders as I try to fully wake up. Okay, how was the banquet? Ash shrugs. Fine. We won hottest related celebrities, and Ryan almost got into a fight with the Hemsworths. But then we all donated a ton of money to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and Jonah smoothed it over for him. I cock an eyebrow, because knowing Ryan and Jonah, there has to be more to the story. But Ash says, I'll tell you all the details tomorrow. But for now, can we talk about my text? I should have expected that lead-in. I drop my head onto his shoulder. He smells like cinnamon and new clothes, and the combination really works for me. I suck in a breath. Let's do it. I think it could be good for the show, for you. I trail off, and Ash supplies. For you, too? Well, yeah. When you're successful, I'm successful. That's how this works. If he suspects there's more to my motivations, he doesn't push. He just reaches up and brushes away the piece of hair that's fallen in front of my face. He tucks it behind my ear. Okay, then. How exactly do we do this? The movie room is dark, except for the warm glow of the blank screen opposite the wall. I watch our shadows curled together like this, one black unit that's almost indistinguishable. I don't think we have to do anything different from what we normally do. It's like Judith said, all that matters is that the audience assumes we're together. Ash grabs a handful of what's left of the popcorn and chews thoughtfully. After a moment, he reaches for my hands which are folded in my lap, and squeezes gently. Should be pretty easy then. We've always made a good team. I don't know why this sends a flush over my skin, but I'm warm and presumably red when I nod. I try not to look at his lips as Ash's tongue darts out to catch another handful of popcorn. This is going to be fine, we are absolutely capable of pretending to be more than longtime friends. Just like Ash said, we make a good team, always have. Why then does the whole idea suddenly make my heart race? Chapter 14 Ash Kel's index finger touches my cheek, the softest brush of skin on skin. My breath catches. My chest feels swollen with wanting. Like she knows what she's doing to me, Kel smiles. 
she traces that finger farther across my skin, ending at my lips. I can't keep still any longer. Her eyes widen as I part my mouth and suck on the tip of her finger. Every inch of her tastes so good. My hand finds its way to her stomach. The smooth feel of her bare skin nearly takes me out. Kel brushes against me, pressing closer, and... My eyes break open. A cold sweat flushes my skin. What the hell was that? The last thing I need to do right now is to start panting over Kel. She's the only one holding things together. I sit up and run a hand through my unruly bedhead. One dream about your hot friend is fine. It's bound to happen. Two dreams in the same month makes it weird. I can't keep having these dreams. Kel and I agreed to fake a relationship for the show, but my subconscious doesn't seem to be buying it. I need to figure some things out, clearly. I run the shower and stand in front of the steam while the water heats up. I've always felt protective over Kel. She's this driven, smart, objectively gorgeous woman. Guys line up to take advantage of that. It's not my place to protect her, but it's hard to stop the urge to. Yeah, it's gotten more intense since the whole drama with Ryan went down, but that's because I feel partly responsible. I never should have let him cross that line with her. I should have made sure Ryan knew that he was supposed to stay away from Kel. I never should have let her get hurt. My shower is short, because we have another early day of work. Today is the day that we're shooting promo video and photos. Kel will probably be here by the time I'm downstairs. I wouldn't be surprised if she's here already. I dry my hair with the towel and get dressed, then hurry to the kitchen. Ryan is the only one there. He's at the table scrolling on his phone with one hand while he eats oatmeal with the other. I grab one of Jonah's yogurts from the fridge and sit down across from Ryan. He nods at me. Hey, ready for the photo shoot, little brother? I spoon enough yogurt in my mouth that all I can do is shrug. You're not wearing that, are you? He looks at my gray t-shirt and dark jeans and laughs. I'm not in the mood for this. I ignore him and keep eating my yogurt, but Ryan taps his fingers on the table between us. Hey, what's your problem? My spoon falls to the table with a loud clatter. No problem, bro. I'm eating. And yeah, this is what I'm wearing. The brief said keep it simple. This is simple. Ryan shakes his head. No, you've had a problem with me for weeks. What is it? You're supposed to be happy for me. I'm getting married. And we're finally working together. But you're ruining everything by skulking around the house like you're too cool to be a Matthew anymore. My head feels like it's going to explode. Ryan has no idea what he's talking about. I'm too cool? Oh, that's hilarious. I jab a finger in his direction. You're the one trying to get big at the cost of everyone else. You're the one ruining things for Kel. Ryan's eyes narrow, and he leans back in his seat. He tips his head back. You serious? That's what this is about? You still have a crush on our manager? I thought we were past that, Ash. Kel wouldn't still be here if she didn't want to be. If you have an issue with that, it sounds like you're the problem. 
my hands ball into fists in my lap. I grip my teeth and struggle to keep my voice calm. There are cameras on the other side of the house. It would technically be fair game for them to pick up on this argument and run with it. Kel is my friend, I swallow. And you did wrong by her. You sure she's just a friend? I stand up and throw away my half-eaten yogurt. Yeah, I'm sure. Just do me a favor and stay away from her, okay? Instead of doubling down, Ryan cracks a smile and steps back. You got it. Can we play nice now? He's my brother, and as much as I think he's an idiot, I don't want to hate him. Maybe Ryan is right. If Kel is fine with him, then I should be too. She's got her life together more than anyone else in this house. It's only fair that I acknowledge that and let her handle her own business. Okay, I agree. Still mad, but trying not to hold on to it. But seriously, what's wrong with my clothes? Ryan laughs. You're hilarious. Come and see what I had my wardrobe people send over. His wardrobe people turn out to be Gucci. He volunteered to wear their clothes on our show as promo. He volunteered Jonah and me too. The fitting people helped me into a blue plaid suit, which I have to admit looks pretty sharp. The only thing I'm not too sure about is the dainty blue bow tie, but apparently it's fashionable. Kel is here, and she's dressed up too. She's wearing a sleeveless green gown with a slit up one of her legs. Her hair is long and loose with little waves that brush over the top of her chest. My own legs go unsteady. Damn. She sees me and does a spin with her arms out. I know I'm only technically a guest star, but they want me in some of the cast pictures. I kind of look great, right? You look great, I confirm. Really great. I gesture to the dress. The fabric looks silky. Do they have you in designer too? Yep, Kel grins. Should I accidentally spill on the dress so they have to let me take it home? If she doesn't, I will. The dress was made for her. I laugh, but it sounds strange in my own head, like the laugh of a nervous stranger. Kel tilts her head, her eyes tracking mine. Then she drags her gaze down to my shiny leather shoes and up over my suit. Wow. Her lips pucker into a perfect red circle. They should let you keep yours, too. You clean up nice. My throat is dry. I want to run my hands over Kel's dress and see if it feels as soft as it looks. Thanks. Judith stands next to the director and starts waving everyone over. They've cleared everything out of our living room, except for the couch. Lights are staged behind it, and a set of assistants direct us where to arrange ourselves. Ryan, Jonah, and me front and center. My brothers are wearing suits similar to mine, but in different patterns and colors. Jonah's has little golden basketballs dotted everywhere. Nice touch. Once they've taken an hour's worth of photos of us, they bring in our guest stars. Samantha, Jesse, and Kel are the main ones, but they also include our housekeeper-slash-cook, Ava, who we would never survive without, and Jonah's trainer, Mike. The group pictures feel a tad ridiculous because 
None of these people are ever in the same room together in real life. But it's not real life, so there you go. Things go fine until Judith whispers something to the director before he clears the room again, except for my brothers and me and the three women. From where I'm standing against the doorway, I can see the panic in Kel's wide eyes. Let's create a bit of drama, shall we? Judith rubs her hands together like a Disney villain. I swear she cackles too. Our lovey-dovey couple. She hooks an arm through Samantha's and drags her to the couch. Ryan follows obediently. Judith positions them so that Samantha is perched on Ryan's lap. Pretty similar to how they were the night he proposed. Judith is either an evil genius or just evil. Jessie isn't one to take orders. She cocks a hand on her hip and tells Judith how she and Jonah will be standing, behind the couch, back to back like the power couple they are. Judith looks pissed, but she's smart not to argue. You, she crooks a finger, have a seat here by your brother. I sit on the couch next to Ryan and Samantha, my legs spread. Judith tells me to put my chin in my hand and lean forward. I do it. Better to go along with this and get it done. Judith turns to the producer. She cocks her head and frowns. I thought this might happen. The balance is all thrown off. Don't you think, Aaron? He shrugs. Something tells me he's getting sick of Judith following him around on his own set. Exactly! Judith clucks her tongue. Kel, why don't we fit you in this one too? You'll even out the numbers. Right here. Judith points to the spot directly between Ryan and me. To Kel's credit, she takes it all in stride, sliding in between us and sitting on the edge of the sofa with her knees angled toward mine. This is what we signed up for, so it shouldn't come as a shock that we're already being paired off and displayed as a couple. The moment we let Judith know what we'd decided on, all of this became fair game. Kel's leg brushes against mine. Even in these suit pants, the warmth of her bare skin traces mine, knocks me off balance for a second, and I forget to pose for the photo. I probably look as goofy as I feel. Being close to Kel like this does that to me. As hard as I try, I can't get the dream of us together out of my head. Not ideal when we're sitting so close that every part of our bodies sits flush against each other. Next, they split us up to do solo couple photos. We watch Ryan and Samantha wrap up in each other with their tongues down each other's throats, but Kel handles it like a champ and doesn't flinch. Jesse and Jonah, always casual, hold hands and lean in close. It hits me that we're supposed to do something like that just as Kel and I are called over for our turn. Just pose like normal, the photographer instructs. Pretend I'm not here. Kel's mouth twitches. She's got to be thinking the same thing I am. If the photographer weren't here, our normal wouldn't be posing like a couple. She's frozen a good six inches from me, so I take the lead. I step behind her and wrap my arms around Kel's shoulders. She tenses right away. Hey, we've got this, I say low into her ear. First lesson in acting. No one is going to believe it if you don't believe it yourself.
Pretend it's just us. Her chest moves as she takes in a breath. I feel her relax under my arms. Kel's hands reach up to rest on mine. The photographer points at us. Love it. Lean in more. Ash, kiss the top of her head and hold it. Taking direction like this is almost second nature. For Kel, it's much less so. But if she's still uncomfortable, she hides it well. She shimmies closer, bringing her head to nestle right under my chin. I bend down and plant a kiss on the top of her hair. I stay like that while the camera flashes. My gut tightens, and even though it's just a picture, I want to hold her to me like this for hours. None of this is doing much for that invisible friendship line between us. We are waved away to wait for more direction, and I sit on the sofa with my hands behind my head. Kel follows and lays her head in my lap. This is good for optics, and I know that. But it's feeding the inner battle I've been fighting for weeks. I swallow. I touch Kel's arm lightly. Good job today. She laughs, and I can feel it more than hear it. She shakes softly against me. It's so weird, because it's me and you, and we've been friends forever. But at the same time, it's so easy, you know? I know. Yeah, I think we were pretty convincing. We fall into silence, and I watch Jonah and Jesse across the room, trying to hide the fact that they're fighting about something. Jonah's jaw is tight as he stares at the floor. Jesse talks in a low voice. Everything about her screams annoyed. I'm not really sure how my brothers feel about the show so far. For me, it feels good doing something different for work. I know Kel isn't too happy about this new show, and I feel for her. I most likely wouldn't be for it if I were in her position. It's okay with me, though. It's the last thing in the world I thought I'd enjoy, but reality show filming has been cool. I wouldn't mind more of it, especially if it opens the doors Kel thinks it will. If it takes branching out to get a foot in the door for more serious projects, then so be it. And the drama continues. Are Ash's budding feelings for Kel real or just a consequence of TV magic? Could he ruin things by taking the fake dating too far? And speaking of Kel, is she ever going to get used to Ryan and his new fiancé? I could not imagine being in her shoes. Stay tuned for more of this story to unfold. So don't forget to subscribe to CamCat Unwrapped. If you don't want to miss a beat, listen to Managing the Matthews now on the audiobook platform of your choice. All our books are also available in print and ebook formats on camcatbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Tune in to hear all our audiobooks as we release them right here on CamCat Unwrapped as serialized podcasts. The first two episodes of every book can always be found here, but subsequent episodes will be available for free listening only for a short time after their release. After that, they'll be gone. But don't worry, the audiobooks are available for purchase on Audible and other major retailers. CamCat Unwrapped also offers other CamCat books as podcasts. Also, check out our background episodes where we interview our authors and have them participate in fun writing challenges. Before you go, please take a moment to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you. Tune in again to CamCat Unwrapped. 
because CamCat Unwrapped is where book lovers meet.